live. We are going live. Hello, beautiful people of the social media universe. I don't know how you ended up in my universe, in my container, but I want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. We are broadcasting live currently, I guess, recording. So if you're watching the recording, what's up? Say replay. Um, we are live on Clubhouse simultaneously, as you see, broadcasting live on Facebook in my Trigger Proof community that eventually becomes my podcast and my YouTube channel, which, by the way, great news. It's been a while since I've been here because I thought I lost my YouTube channel. And it would turned out to be a hacker. Uh, I made up all sorts of stories. And of course, YouTube doesn't have a, um, a call center where you can talk to somebody. So it's all a bunch of support tickets and praying. And <clears throat> it was really disheartening. Here I am talking about nervous system regulation and healing. And I'm in a full-blown kind of sense of panic at the thought of 15 years of my life's work just gone, poof, gone, and there's no explanation. And so I'm really glad to be back on YouTube. So hello. And uh, didn't I thought I'd have to start all over, but here I am. And it had been a while since I've come in to do a Facebook Live and a clubhouse room, but this uh, topic was way too important for me to um, to ignore. So here I am. And I'm here to answer some questions for those of you jumping in on um, Clubhouse. What's up? Welcome. If you've never met me before, let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Nima Romani, although the doctor part, it comes from being a chiropractor for 20 years, which I retired officially last year. Even though I'll always be a chiropractor in my heart, this is something that I've, uh, it's part of who I am as a practitioner, helping people heal. And what I've learned as a chiropractor in the last 20 years is that uh, most people coming in to see me were actually dealing with stress-related disorders. And when I really, because I got to know people, I'm kind of like, my personality type is that I really like to, I love people. I love getting to know people and understanding people. And so I would see patterns with certain people with coming in with chronic pains, chronic illnesses, this pattern of chronic fatigue uh, being tied into dysfunctional relationship dynamics of all things. And it wasn't until I went through my divorce and then a series of nine kind of failed relationships after that, where it had me kind of looking in my own, uh, inside my own mind and my own heart, understanding my own traumas of why I kept repeating the same relationship patterns again and again and again, why no matter how much personal development work I did, I couldn't release myself from the clutches of this painful, emotionally painful anxiety that wouldn't go away no matter who I was dating or if I was single, it would still be there. If I was dating, it would still be there. It didn't matter which partner I was with and it didn't matter how much money I made. So it was nothing external. And I had tried so many things to kind of understand this entrepreneurial anxiety. And I knew that it was tied in, in, in a very weird way to um, my relationship dynamics. And it turned out on my own search 
to figure it all out after my last uh, relationship just blew up in my face, there was a weird unholy union between anxiety, between pain, emotional pain, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, chronic illness, and early childhood adversity, early childhood attachment wounding with mom and dad. And so I did an attack. So from there, when I kind of put the pieces together, I took a break from helping anyone. Several years ago, I said, I'm not going to be Dr. Nima. I'm just going to work on me because there's a common denominator that's happening in all these relationship dynamics. And uh, it seems to be me. And instead of putting the pointing the finger and blaming other blaming those other crazy people out there, maybe it's time to look inside and see what I can own. And holy crap. What I learned, uh, first of all, I discovered that my attachment style is insecure avoidant. So I had an insecure avoidant attachment style, which basically meant that I followed a predictable pattern in relational dynamics, which is really have this deep desire to connect with somebody, but it feels terrifying when intimacy comes close. So I push away any chances of somebody it really kind of going somewhere. And I would unconsciously, in my mind consciously, I said, I really want to find the one. But my unconscious was saying, uh, the one is not safe because the one might leave you and leave you very, very uh, uh, sad and lonely. So you might as well find people that are wounded birds that you can rescue so you don't have to worry about them leaving and you could be super duper important and then keep an emotional distance but then stay relevant and then play this little cat and mouse game of push-pull dynamics in my relationships which I now understand to be trauma bonds. So it all started with me understanding my attachment style. That's why if you haven't learned your attachment style yet, that's what I really recommend that you do. And if you wonder um, what yours is, uh, you can just go on to my uh, Instagram, at Dr. Nima, just the link in the bio, and it says attachment style, and just go ahead and put your information there. You're gonna get an email with a video that describes to you pretty much in a lot of cases, your whole life story. I mean, the, 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 the emails that I get back from people are like, holy crap, you just pretty much explained my entire life. You described me to a T, it was spot on, it's scary, are you following me? That kind of thing. And the answer to that is no, I'm not following you, but <clears throat> your nervous system is very predictable. As a human being, nothing that you experience, uh, even anxiety, uh, is is something about something wrong with you. And that was one of the key features that I had to understand in order for me to heal it, is to really get a good idea of um, of what healing is. So I'm gonna talk about that. Uh, and that's why I love talking about that and, and teaching my cycle breaker community about how to stop the cycle uh, that you were born into from unresolved attachment wounds that create this these insecure attachment dynamics between you and your partner. And then unfortunately, if we don't resolve that, then we have families with the same patterns and these unhealthy attachment dynamics in our relationships then unconsciously get passed down to children. So let me give you an example. If you are, you know, you teeter towards codependency, a lot of the, the people who um, watch my content are feeling like they're stuck in these trauma bonds that are codependent type of dynamics. Well, if you can relate to that, 
what happens is the codependency you experience in your relationship with your partner when you have children under that um, kind of energetic dynamic, under that family system, the code, for example, I'm gonna just use a, a, the most common example that I see, the codependent mother, the, the, the mother that's codependent on the narcissistic husband, narcissistic husband, codependent wife, this is the classic, I'm just giving you the textbook case, becomes the narcissistic mother because the emotional deadness that you experience in your relationship uh, because of that attachment trauma within you and your partner because of unresolved attachment wounds from mom and dad, which you both are acting out and playing out through no fault of your own, then unconsciously because of that dynamic between mom and dad, that dynamic gets played out and a child doesn't feel seen, doesn't feel heard, experiences mother and father as emotionally absent, emotionally distant, which I did, and then add in all the other traumas that you can experience, the capital T traumas with physical violence, with um, um, sexual abuse, that kind of thing. These are the capital T, big T traumas, but then also there's the little T traumas, uh, the little T traumas of being parented with shame, of extreme like fundamentalist religious upbringing that scared the ever loving shit out of you that you were going to hell because you're a sinner and then you're constantly just seeing yourself as like a pathetic, like horrible human being and unworthy and all that stuff. That's kind of the little T traumas. That's death by a million paper cuts. There's the emotional abuse. There's all sorts of experiences in childhood that we grow up in because of having parents that just don't have a secure attachment with one another. And that lack of safety that a child feels or the experience of not actually having, um, not having parents that were present for you or feeling like you constantly had to perform in order to be lovable. You had to perform, you had to, to be the good girl, be the good boy. You had to abandon yourself in order to feel worthy of love. That love was uh, conditional based on a performance, based on you having to meet the emotional needs of mom and dad or make mom and dad, you know, had problems with alcohol or drug abuse and you had to kind of clean up after them constantly and you're only eight years old and had that experience of constantly having to, to um, abandon yourself to, to, to meet the emotional needs or the physical needs of a parent, a parent with mental health issues. So these early experiences of adversity in children even things that I haven't even mentioned, surgeries, um, uh, you know, surgeries, uh, near-death experiences, drownings, uh, you know, there is a plethora of things that you as a child going through can take on in your system that is too much, too fast, too soon, that causes us to dissociate, causes our little nervous systems to uh, get stuck with that survival stress energy. And 
without really understanding the mechanism behind this, without really understanding the nervous system and how it adapts to certain stressors, how it adapts to noises, how it adapts to facial expressions and a sense of presence. I mean, what kind of unicorn parents really understand this stuff, right? What kind of parents really are trauma-informed understanding how the nervous system works and um, what's good and what's not appropriate for the nervous system? I'm throwing all of these little examples here not to tell you that you're being a bad parent, not to blame your parents that they were shitty parents. Nobody likes to feel uh, like they're shitty parents. We all go into this. I mean, I have an 18-month-old. He's almost 19 months now at the recording of this. I didn't go into this while he was cooking in uh, Diana's womb. We didn't look at each other and say, you know what? I really hope to fuck this thing up. I really hope to be the shittiest dad that I can be. No, nobody, nobody goes into this with that in mind. In fact, we all go into the probably the most difficult job that we can we can be that we can take on, which is parenting, we go in with the hopes, with the vision of actually doing as good of a job as we possibly can, not making the same mistakes that our um, parents did, you know, without their understanding, with, with their unconscious parenting, with what they know now. I mean, so many things we know now that didn't know back in the time when I was growing up, for example, did you know the whole CIO cry it out method? The cry it out method in and of itself to have a child with a immature nervous system to leave them be with the door closed while they're in terror, screaming and crying, mommy, mommy, uh, because a pediatrician, I think they call it the Ferber method. This is widely practiced and still some pediatricians still to this day haven't caught up with the research. That is a trauma to the nervous system of the child. The child then learns that they can't trust, uh, they can't trust that their, ex their emotions, their experiences, they're crying out for help for 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 co-regulation help me regulate myself will not be met with with uh, a secure attachment so the child's nervous system then learns that it's not really you know my emotions don't matter uh, i'm on my own and that there's a mistrust with there's kind of like a defensive detachment with uh, our, our our parents and i mean that in and of itself uh, is not a travesty as long as uh, you know the child grows with with pretty secure attachment afterwards. And what does that even mean? Because you know what parent has ever learned how to attach, how to attach securely with their children? What parent has ever learned how to attach securely within themselves? You know, like what does that even mean? If we can, um, uh, if we can give them secure attachment after that, then then it's not the worst thing in the world, but you have that cry it out method that you and I probably were raised in and probably you might've even raised your children in that way, adding on to the capital T traumas plus the little T traumas. It's no wonder why, you know, adding on all of the like surgeries and, and all these experiences of adversity that are trapped and stored in our nervous system, sometimes before we've even had 
the language to describe it. You know, it, what was your, uh, when you were being, um, when you were developing in utero, what was the relationship like with your parents between your mom and dad? Did your mom know that your dad was there? Did you even have an invitation to exist? These things get stored into our nervous systems and they get activated throughout our lives again and again and again. And nowhere have had I grown up really learning and understanding how to manage that, how to understand that, how to um, come to terms with it and to learn how to heal that. Because if we don't, what happens is these unresolved attachment traumas, they inform the partnerships that we uh, get involved in. You know, if you wonder, God, what a, it was like love at first sight. Why did I choose, you know, it seemed like love at first sight. They were like soulmates, right? And then afterwards you become cellmates. <laughs> How did I not see that one coming? Well, oftentimes these extreme, like powerful love at first sight chemistry, you know, fireworks when you first meet somebody and you say this person, um, you know, this, they're my soulmate, um, often is a trauma bond that we're unaware of. It's both of us have this incomplete wound that's so similar uh, with our primary attachments that you mirror them perfectly. That's why later on, it's like I was just like marrying my dad. I felt like felt like I was marrying my mother all over again. And there's a, a weird twisted dance that our unresolved traumas seek those bonds to, to, to bond to from our early attachments to have completion. Uh, it's our twisted way of, of, of healing, of hopefully healing, but nobody gives us the tools in order to do it. So we end up repeating these patterns. At least that's what I did. So the reason why I love talking about this is because I was going through that whole experience and anxiety was one of my biggest symptoms that led me into this work. And after doing this work and really shifting my inner world, uh, the choices of who I was dating and who I saw as attractive and who I was pulled towards completely changed. And so I was able to heal from my trauma bond and then create a secure relationship. And now I have this amazing family that wasn't available to me before I did this work. And now that I, now that I do have this, this available and I have seen my life transform with it, this is now why I love teaching what I teach and why it's so important to me is because by understanding the nervous system, by understanding what I'm going, what, what's, what's happening, I'm able to now parent my son in a way where safety is his experience. And especially the most important time is the first three years of life uh, because that's when our nervous systems are literally being Formed. And so I know the greatest gift that I can give my son uh, is a secure relationship that I have with his mother so that when she is present and attuned to him, like right now she's with him right now as I'm talking to you, um, he feels a secure attachment with her because she feels safe in my relationship with her. So it all kind of trickles down mom and dad. I'm not saying this is all mom's fault. Dad's uh, partners, you have a huge role as well to play um, in this experience because you can actually help break that cycle when you take on the healing work. So 
the reason why I'm having this conversation with you is we have been getting a litany of people in our community having challenges with their teenagers, their children with um, anxiety, with depression. And invariably, I get a mother saying, can you please help my son? Can my son do your program? Can my son do your work? And, he, you know, you have this classic case of a 14-year-old, 15-year-old who's dealing with behavioral issues, who's dealing with anxiety issues, who's dealing with mental health, depression, they're checked out, they're dissociated, they're anxious all the time, maybe they're dealing with an addiction. Uh, and invariably, it's a behavioral issue, or they're acting out sexually. And this is a behavior, what happens, what I notice is, is that when the behavioral issue becomes so severe, where the parent then all of a sudden feels shame, that's when they're going to do something. That's when they're usually like, okay, we have to do something now. It's like a wake up call because, and normally it's the parent reaching out saying, can you fix their behavior? Can you fix their behavior? Can you fix their depression? It's unacceptable. Can you fix it? And what I'm about to share with you is not a very popular answer. In fact, I might get some hate mail for this. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm here to share with you the truth and what actually works to resolve the outcome. Because everybody wants to have a family life experience where they feel safe. Their child, they create a um, experience of safety for the kids. The kids feel a, a profound sense of of confidence in themselves, confidence in their own truth, in their own beliefs, in their own uh, vision, in, in what they want to create in their lives, and a, and a very strong sense of self. Everybody wants to raise their children with that, um, because if we don't, we and and we don't. Uh, do the work necessary to facilitate that happening. Um, life sucks because you're you you know you can only. My brother said this. He's got two kids, and he said this. And I don't usually quote my my twin brother, but he said something very profound. He said, "You can only be as happy as your most unhappy child." Let me say that again. He goes. He told me this, and this is before I had kids. He has two kids older. Mine is 18 months. He's got two kids that are, one is like five and the other one's eight at this time. He said, you can only be as happy as your most unhappy child. I was like, wow, that's pretty big. So it lends to the awareness that we would do anything it takes to help our children, um, you know, develop that sense of adaptability, a sense of, I got this, a sense of self-confidence, a sense of self-worth, sense of resiliency through adversities of life. You know, being a teenager is hard. You remember what it was like. I remember, fuck, it wasn't easy at all. And I remember, you know, driving my parents crazy as well and having this experience where I didn't feel understood by them. In fact, I still still don't feel understood by them. They didn't really create, they didn't understand or know how to create an experience where their children both felt understood. It was backwards. It was our duty to understand them, which was kind of a cultural thing, right? And so um, what to do with a kid when they're struggling, often the first thing that you'll um, do is, oh my gosh, can I send them to a shrink? I gotta send them to a counselor. And often, I'm going to say this, this isn't very popular for me to say, often 
I'm not saying everybody, but I want you to look out for this, even though, you know, it's going to trigger some, some mom guilt or dad guilt when you're, when I say this, and this isn't to shame you. Oftentimes when we send our children to therapists, it's because they're having behavioral issues that we can't tolerate. You've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired, to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. And we don't know how to regulate ourselves through for various reasons. It triggers our shame. It triggers our, holy shit, I'm a bad parent. And there's an, what I noticed with parents is that there's this unconscious, it's unconscious, kind of desire for them to have a label. Oh, thank God they have ADD. Thank God the doctor said they have uh, general anxiety disorder. Thank God I know what it is. So, so it's kind of like, oh, okay, good. It wasn't me. There's this little voice I can hear when parents tell me. I can see right through it. It's like, oh, they've got this thing because it's not me as a parent, right? And please get, this isn't a blaming the parent issue. We can have two things be true at the same time. I want you to humor me here and really kind of pay attention to what I'm trying to say here because this isn't to invalidate you as a parent. This isn't to shame you or guilt you, but this is to have the conversation of trauma, unresolved childhood trauma and the insidious nature of trauma so that you understand this is not your fault. This is definitely not about the word fault and blame needs to be thrown out the window when we are dealing with trauma because the, we're talking about something that has been going on for generations that gets passed down. And when a parent doesn't resolve their attachment traumas, unconsciously, without a doubt, it gets passed down to the children. Um, for example, a classic one I can just throw out, throw out there is religious trauma, spiritual trauma, when you are born with the idea that, you know, you're going to hell if you don't, you know, follow this. Or uh, if you do this, then you're going to hell. It's with the right intention that the parent wants to raise a child with some spiritual morals and idealisms. That's, that's without a doubt all the right intentions. But when you're not trauma-informed, it gets, it the way that it lands on the child is a small t trauma. It's this sense of shame. It's this sense of unworthiness. It's the sense of uh, your love is conditional. 
based upon you performing these things. And it teaches the child. The child doesn't end up hating the parents at the beginning. The child ends up hating themselves. So self-hate, there's such a huge correlation I see between self-hate and fundamentalist religion. It's kind of like the child is saying, I'm going to hate myself so that I can protect myself from being hated by you know, the church, the community, my parents. And it's this twisted dance with the small t trauma. And this isn't to blame anybody. This is really to help educate you on being more trauma-informed. So this is one little insidious way how your unresolved shame and regrets with your own sexuality, for example, with your own spirituality, unconsciously gets downloaded onto children. And the child then learns in order for me to be safe, I must abandon myself. This is, and, and take on this new, this new character, to put on this mask and become this good person. And so you see there's a fracture from the self that happens. And this is the birth of anxiety. This is, well, other than the birth trauma, other than all of the other things that can happen, you know, if I guarantee you right now in the Ukraine with, with, with war happening, you know, there, the, this lack of safety, this arguments, uh, divorce as a child, divorce, divorce uh, between parents at a young age, all of a sudden the child has to experience a lack of safety. In my case, I was separated from my mother and brother at the age of two. Uh, for three months, for three months, my nervous system, before I was even verbal, had the experience of a lack of safety. And this has been carried in my body and I didn't even realize it until my first breath work event where it all came out. Even though I had done tons of personal development, it was a revelation for me until I went into the body to really learn how to access this. So, this first part of this conversation is really to help you understand the insidious nature of trauma. Because if we don't understand the insidious nature of trauma itself, and it's not really about what happened to us, trauma is not about what happened to us, but how we experience an overwhelm of emotions that were not brought back down we're not taught how to move through and process with regulation, with a completion, with a sense of return back into balance, with a sense of repair, ruptures and arguments that aren't taught how to repair. I mean, I'm going to screw up a lot with raising my son. The, the cool part about it is that I understand the nervous system and, and repair right now. But if you were raised having conflict in the family dynamic, but not taught how to repair, then, you know, these, these attachments are unresolved and they're sitting in your nervous system. And this is where anxiety comes from. This is where mental health issues come from. And so you might be thinking, oh shit, my kids are in their 20s. And this is what every single one of our students in our program say, oh fuck, I fucked up my kids. I have fucked up my kids. What do I do? Oh, it's too late now. Oh my God, I'm beating myself up now. It's too late. Ah, oh, forget it. It's too late. And they use that as an excuse to not start their own trauma healing work. But I got to ask you this question. If you are, can resonate with that, the invitation that I have for you is to say, let's say you're 40 years old. Maybe you're older, but let's say you were 40 years old and you had parents that were a lot that are alive at the time. 
who were in their 70s, let's say, and they started taking on their healing work and were able to put pieces together and, and get to a place of understanding within themselves so that they can come back to you while you're in your 40s and have a really frank, earnest, heart-to-heart -heart conversation about some of your experiences and create a space where you can feel seen and heard, even in your 40s. Would that have made a difference for you? You goddamn right it would have. <laughs> I'm 46 at the recording of this right now. I would abs my heart would melt and I would fall into a pit of tears if my parents had the capacity to be able to hold space and listen while I explained to them some of these things and really repaired, learned how to repair, right? And they're in their 70s. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of like had said, nah, I don't want to learn anything, right? They use the same excuses. So if you're wondering, oh, it's too late for me. I fucked up my kids. They're already dealing with anxiety. What do I do? I just want to pawn them off to a shrink. Oftentimes, pawning them off to a shrink is the biggest form of gaslighting, invalidating their experience. Many of our clients, many of our students actually remember having anxiety problems and their parents were like, oh, fuck, there's something wrong with you. Let's send you to a a shrink, which then reinforced that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And when we regress them, we realize when we did their healing work, when they were 12, when they were eight, they realized there was nothing wrong with them. They just saw things differently than the current family system. They had different values. They had different desires. They had different ways of viewing the world. Maybe they're in a, a family of engineers and scientists. And this one was like a creative, just loved to dance and paint. But because of that system, it wasn't, um, it was frowned upon because like if you're a Persian and you were a creative, you were told just fuck that noise, <laughs> Get, go into engineering. <laughs> Don't waste your time as a painter or a creator. That's bullshit. It's not going to get you anything. So it had all the right intentions, but the child then learns that their creative self, their, their, their values, their desires, who they are at their core is not lovable, is not acceptable. And this is a form of invalidation. So a lot of child psychology therapy with the, all the right intention, with the parents skipping out on these three steps that I want to share with you, is not helping the child. And the way that we help the ch children in our community is by breaking the cycle within the family system. And I wanna show you how this has happened where one of our students, um, Heidi, was having a challenge with her 14-year-old who was just behavioral issues, acting out in school, this close to getting kicked out and finally, I mean, there was problems before, but once it got to that level, that's when she reached out to me because she was a former graduate of our programs. And she says, could you help my son? I'm just this close to throwing money at it and sending him to a counselor. And I said, come on, Heidi, you know exactly how this works. And she's like, fuck, okay. And so she, it's, without him doing any counseling, she jumped in and did the work and did these things I'm about to share. And within a few months, not only had it great has it had his grades transformed, their relationship completely transformed, his behavior completely changed, and he was now from going from like wanting to be kicked out, wanting almost this close to being expelled, then went in has now enrolled in a high school program that's like elite 
with like super duper creative is like, and is totally jazzed up and inspired. And he didn't do any work. And so what, what are the principles that we, that we go through in order to help our students who are really committed to being cycle breakers heal? And so if you're on, um, if you're on, uh, uh, what's it called? Clubhouse, you can jump into, um, what's it called? Facebook, my Facebook community right now and watch this because I'm, I'm doing a live right now. And I have a, a my little notepad that I have. It's a little uh, toy that I have that's really helpful that you might want to write stuff down. So number one <clears throat> is how do you help your kid um, who's struggling with mental health issues? How do you help them? And it's not what you think. So this isn't, this isn't kind of like the easy way out type of answer. This is actually healing. And the first part is to understand the nervous system. Understand the nervous system. Understand your nervous system, the nervous system, and specifically your nervous system. Critical. Why? Well, because once you really understand the nervous system and become trauma-informed, you realize that kids aren't bad kids. Kids aren't anxious. Anxiety doesn't even exist. Depression doesn't even exist. They're just various states of the autonomic nervous system under survival stress. That's every behavioral issue. This is when I learned what I learned that completely radically shifted my relationship with myself and the shame and the guilt that I've been carrying about how I'd shown up in relationships was that there's nothing wrong with you. All behavioral challenges, all behavior is a solution to unresolved stress, uh, unresolved survival stress in the system. So you have an alarm you have an alarm going on and whether you're picking at your skin or cutting or pulling out your hair or um, not eating because you're, you know, you're counting cal calories or binging and purging or whatever behavioral stuff that you do or acting out sexually or ADHD or not able to sit still or getting into arguments or getting into rage. It's not because you're a bad kid. It's because you are trying to release all of, find some sort of avenue to release this unresolved survival stress in your body. Now, why would it be there? Well, unresolved trauma. Why does that child, why is that child holding on to so much survival stress? Now, Please understand, this isn't to blame you as a parent. I get the hate mail. Are you blaming parents and we're doing it? No, not blaming you. We need to have the conversation outside of the, outside of the context of blame and inside of the context of healing and understanding and compassion. Because this isn't your fault, you didn't know because you didn't understand your nervous system growing up. Nobody taught you how to self-assess and self-regulate your various states of the autonomic nervous system. Without understanding this, we are like walking through life without a map, without a um, kind of barometer 
of how we're feeling and what we should do with our emotions. We don't know what to do with our own emotions. How the hell are we going to know how to help a child work through their big emotions? If, a if I haven't worked through my, my emotions and my traumas, when my son experiences what I have incomplete within myself, I won't be able to hold myself together. And my dysregulation, and I'm a kind of like a, you know, larger than life type of person, like my mother is, that extreme moodiness and activation energy, I was receiving as a child, she couldn't sit still for two seconds, that downloaded onto me, her lack of safety was downloaded all to me through no fault of her own. God love her, she's a wonderful human being. Her unresolved attachment traumas had no choice but to get downloaded onto me. And my unresolved attachment traumas have no choice but to indirectly get downloaded onto him. Why? Because I don't understand my nervous system. Because I don't know how to self-assess. I don't know how to, when my son is crying because he's teething, and that brings up all, the loud noise brings up when my dad gets angry with me, and I then regress and be a child then I'm not able to be there for my son. I download my wounds onto him. I react to his emotions. How does that make him feel? He then has to abandon himself in order to feel safe with me. And now I've created a culture of a lack of safety within the dynamic because I assume that parenting is a role because that's what my parents taught me. Parenting is not a role. It's a relationship. And if I don't understand my nervous system, then I won't understand my son's nervous system and I won't be able to do what my job is as a parent, which is to help him regulate his little immature nervous system that has no clue how to regulate. How am I gonna help him if he can't do it himself, if I can't do it for myself? So the first part is to really maximize the understanding of the nervous system. That's why in all of our trainings, that's why in breathwork and badassery at the overview experience, that's the first thing we start with. Once you get this, when you get this right, all of a sudden, you stop judging yourself. You have a really healthy relationship within your own emotions. You're able to assess and then take action steps to support your nervous system. When you can do that, you can then help your child. Because if you don't do that, you're gonna wanna, you know, here, somebody else fix them. And then when you really get this right, you realize they don't need fixing because your behavior and your uh, sense, uh, your behavior, your reactivity is happening exactly predictably correct for the state that you're in. If you don't understand what to do with the states, how are you gonna, how are you gonna be able to help the kid? So that's the first thing, understanding the nervous system. The second thing that you're called to do is, this is gonna be a weird one, but it's called heal the projection. What do I mean by heal the projection? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Heal the projection. What do I mean by that? It's kind of spooky when a parent comes in and in our community is like, I'm having, I'm having trouble with my 15 year old. I'm like, oh, okay. What's going on? Well, they're having suicidal thoughts and I'm really scared and anxious and nervous and da, 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 da. Okay, cool. So then we start working with them and they start doing the work and they realize, what do you think they realize? Boom, there is, there's a projection happening of an unresolved 
attachment wound of an unresolved part of themselves, of an unhealed part of themselves at 15, that their child is now acting out. And this is one of the spookiest things. This is why when you study trauma and he, working on healing trauma, you can't help but move from a neurophysiological perspective to more of a spiritual one. Uh, that's why most neuroscientists who've been at the game for decades start to become a little more wooey and, and uh, spiritual. And this is definitely what's happening to me, although I haven't lost my, you know, planting my foot in and grounding in, in science. Um, but these wounds that we go through in childhood that we haven't really been taught how to, how to have completion for and to work through, we without we, we think that the past is behind us, then all of a sudden our, our kid starts to act out with the exact, tell me if this lands or resonates for you. I'd love to hear if, if this resonates for you, write it in the comment section, that your kid, you're looking at your kid having a tough time. See what, how old they are. And then ask yourself this question, what was I going through at that same age? What was I going through? Well, it turns out, Heidi, that when she started working with us to help heal the relationship within herself and her son, which then caused a complete turnaround in his life, she realized that she was looking at a 14-year-old version of herself that she was totally ashamed of, that she dismissed, that she denied, that she actually hates. And the parts of us that we hate, that we can't stand, why, does, why is it that... that why is it that, that we see it again in, in our future, in our partner, in our relationships, in our children? Well, in kind of like the, the spiritual kind of wooey way, there are parts of us that we haven't loved, that we've disowned. And the parts that, that have disowned, we have fragmented from. And our purpose on this planet, planet Earth is where souls come to evolve, and part of our evolution is to, is to rescue and reconnect with the parts of us that we have disowned and we've cast away and we've thrown into the gutter, banished, hoping we would never see. Guess what? They start showing up in our kids. And so in order, the best thing that our students have found that have been so helpful in, in actually getting results in helping the child didn't involve the child actually going and doing any therapy. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. They did their own work and they healed the projection. When they got that right, immediately they connected with the younger parts of themselves that they disowned and they were able to empathize with their children. And the child felt seen, felt heard, felt understood, which leads me to the third point is this is what we teach in our, uh, in our trainings is to share the journey with them. Sharing the journey is sharing the inward journey of going inward and healing with the younger parts of them. Then you approach the child and say, hey, you know, son, um, you know what you're going through. Uh, initially, I just went through a whole you saw dad completely overreact, Dominic. Let me let me give you an example if I'm talking to my own son. Dominic, when you, you know, when you were caught at school with, you know, 
weed, for example, let's say he's only 18 months. I seriously hope he doesn't get caught at the community center with weed right now. But anyway, um, let's say he's 14 years old and, you know, at, at a time where it wasn't appropriate and he brings up stuff that brings up parts of me that I'm really ashamed of. I have the capacity to first react and freak the fuck out like any other parent would and to be able to go in and c create a um, resolution with the younger parts of myself that I haven't yet had completion with. And once that journey is gone uh, of reconciliation through the overview method, which is the, t the methodology that I teach my students, then I can share the journey with Dominic and say, it reminded me of a time when so-and-so, and this is what I was feeling, so I understand you. And so I come at him at a, as a, within a relationship. And that's what we've been teaching our students, and it really works. And by works, it means the child feels understood. The child doesn't feel blamed and judged. The child doesn't feel like there's something wrong with them. Because the medical system, psychotherapy and all that, when they're not trauma-informed, medicine, they try to convince you that there's something wrong with you. And every time the child is taking a pill, it's a reinforcement that, oh, something's wrong with me. I have this disorder, which then makes the parent feel good. It's like, oh, fine, good. It's, the kid has the disorder. It couldn't be me being a bad parent. No, I'm not suggesting that you're being a bad parent. I'm suggesting our unresolved wounds get unconsciously downloaded by the most well-meaning parents to the children. And that's what creates this lack of safety in the family dynamic. And you're a lot more powerful than you think. And so let me know if any of these um, methodologies, this new way, I, my, my intention is to reframe the concept for you, to actually give you something that gives results and outcomes that are tangible rather than just keeping them every six months going and tinkering their medication why not actually do something that creates complete transformation? Now, the biggest obstacle is everybody in essence really wants to help, but the biggest obstacle is um, that you're not gonna wanna do it. In fact, I've worked with, and there's one that I have in mind, this one uh, beautiful woman who has a son who's got, mental health issues, your biggest obstacle is, is that you're going to want to help them and you're going to be so preoccupied with them that you're going to back, go back to your old patterns of abandoning yourself. See, the child is actually hope, holding a mirror and a reflection of parts of you you haven't healed with. And this is common in codependency. There's a preoccupation with abandoning and fixing and rescuing. And so just like just like this was her challenge in this process, it might be your challenge as well, is that the one thing stopping you from healing this is the one reason why you must heal it, which is a, preoccupied, a preoccupation with fixing other people. So that'll be something you're gonna have to look out for. You're gonna say, I wanna help them, and then you're gonna go inward, but then kind of like in codependent relationships, where, where the, the, the codependent um, person who really wants to do the work can't stop obsessing about pointing fingers and going, yeah, but what about them? Look at their behavior, their behavior, their behavior. That's gonna be your biggest obstacle, especially if you teeter to, 
towards a deep codependency, that's what I'm warning you to watch out for because it just feels safer to avoid our own inward journey and just point fingers there when there is deeply shameful, hurt, younger parts of ourselves, what we call in our shadows, that are begging, begging to be reunited and brought home. But we're going to try to ignore, we're going to ignore those parts in service of fixing outside, just like we did for mom and dad, just like we did for our partner, just like we do for the person we're dating, just like we do for our kids. And then we completely lose sight of the one thing that's going to actually transform everything, which is an inward journey, understanding of a nervous system, healing the projection, um, understanding the nervous system, healing the projection, and learning how to share that journey with intimacy. Intimacy is really how it heals the intimacy within the relationship of a child, a parent and child that we block because we're trying to be perfect and trying to do what, you know, the church taught us or whatever story that we're trying to perform. The teenager sees right through it and can't stand your bullshit uh, and wants to, wants to have leadership as a parent. The greatest gift you can give to a struggling child is a self-loving parent. And it's the one thing you will resist the most because of your own woundings. It's ironic and it drives me sometimes a little bit insane, but I have compassion uh, towards parents who deeply wanna help their kid, but they don't get that the only way that the child is gonna be helped is if you pretend you wanna rescue yourself as badly as you rescue that child. See, the child takes the precedent, right? <clears throat> but what you don't get is that it's like a plane that's about to crash and the oxygen masks come on. And that's why the rules, they say, put yours on first before putting the child's on. Well, the world is full of mothers who are putting the child's mask on First, while they themselves are drowning, not really realizing that their survival stress is spilling onto the child. And if you just focus on learning, especially moms, especially single moms, learning and mastering these tools, you can have a profound impact on yourself, on your children, on relationships, leave relationships that aren't healthy for you, attract people people and groups of friends that are in a new level that see you and understand you that you don't have to perform for anymore. And so that's really um, why I love teaching this because there's a lot at stake. Your family's health, your health, chronic illness, it just gets passed down because of unresolved trauma and without really talking about it and, and owning it and being courageous, not taking blame, but to be able to stand up and go, I'm willing to break the cycle. Um, that's how it breaks. And so if this is resonating with you, let me know. Let me know what your biggest takeaway is in this conversation. Uh, and for those of you who really are keen, who are super duper stoked about this and want to take that first step, uh, it's not gonna happen overnight. Please understand, understanding your nervous system and learning how to heal the projections is a system that I've come up with. And so the best place to begin is at uh, to understand these unresolved attachment traumas uh, that get spilled over to our children is to really get a firm connection with those shadow parts of ourselves, 
the wounded child within ourselves. And that's why I created the event called Breathwork and Badassery. Um, it's a an experience, actually, in where I guide you. It's a imagine a four hour container where I'm taking you through your childhood and you're getting these little activations and memories come up. Some some of them painful, some of them really pleasurable. Both sides come up and you're led into a meditation where a neural exercise where you connect with this younger part and then get led into a breathwork session where we uncover some of these hidden ones, small T traumas, for the purpose of helping you move through the bot move it through the body. It's super critical if you're a busy mom, super critical if you are a um, busy entrepreneur, super critical if you yourself deal with anxiety or your children are dealing with it, that you break the cycle by doing something radical, which is creating a safe container for yourself, a sacred pause to take all of the emotions pre and post COVID, the relational dynamics that have been shot because of it, mental health issues that have been rising to the surface because of it, and to have a space where you can actually move that through your body and to be in a community that's involved in it and engaged in a conversation of healing, not about blaming, not about shaming, but about really owning, <laughs> taking ownership for. And it's filled with parents who feel that they fucked up. It's filled with um, children who wish that their parents did the work. It's filled with um, people that are learning how to heal their attachment wounds so that they can create secure dynamics and break the cycles of intergenerational trauma. If you're super duper keen, I know that I can see there's several people here that are already signed up. I can't wait to guide you. It's it's one of my most favorite events. It's on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> if you're watching the replay, follow the link below and jump in and join us. Um, it's a start. It's a start of the journey of breaking that cycle. It's not the end of the journey. It's a beginning. And if uh, those, there's many people after experiencing that have such a profound insight that they now know exactly how to help their kid. They know how to help themselves. They know how to connect to purpose. They know how they know now what to do to emotionally regulate. And they they go all in with the education of mastering their nervous system. And so that's really why I do what I do, because I want to help break cycles and I stand for healed families. So the invitation for anyone is to jump in. Uh, the link is in the bio for Breathwork and Badassery if you are on Instagram or Clubhouse. And if you are watching this on Facebook Live or on replay, the link is below. And I'll see you at the next perfect time. Let me know what questions you have and I will be happy to do another training. See you at the next perfect time.